us to turn to the book of Mark chapter 16. We're going to go through a couple of scriptures. We won't read it all. But I want to talk to you today on the subject of seeking him who lives. Seeking him who lives. If we look at the uh, book of Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through 13, I don't want to be long with you today, but I want to talk to you about some things. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Madeline, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Now, this is a story when Jesus had died or was crucified. He died on the third day. He rose again. And the women, one of them was Mary Madeline, who went early in the morning to carry spices to find. And the, the stone was rolled away. You know, we do skits about this stuff. But look at um, what it says in verse 11. And when they heard that he was alive and had seen and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Well, that, that's, that's mind-blowing to me because the first people that she sought to tell of the risen Christ was the disciples. You know, Peter and James and Nathaniel uh, and Philip and Andrew, James the Less, or what we call James the, uh, uh, the Younger. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Either. You, you see, uh, here, let's go to Luke chapter 24. And I won't uh, read the whole thing, but I want you to look with me in verse um, 5 of Luke 24. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men and crucified the third day rise again. And they remember his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Madeline, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And the word seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. John chapter 20, verse 14 through 16. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. What? Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She, support, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher. I want to talk to you a little bit about seeking him who lives. Oftentimes in church, in Christianity, we worship a God of history. We often read the Bible and we are constantly searching uh, for the Jesus that was born in a manger, the Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, the Jesus that was born in a manger uh, next to some cattle, some sheep and a donkey. We make skits about it and we talk about the baby Jesus. We often talk about the, the Jesus that roamed the earth in the city of Jerusalem and in Galilee that uh, would come in and, and do miracles.
miracles and raise the dead and cleanse the leper and open blind eyes and open deaf ears and uh, and help those that are infirm and the Jesus that walks and rebukes spirits and we hear these stories uh, but we are often thinking that God does not live today and so we live our life in a historic way and constantly seeking things that have gone by. But yet God wants us uh, to live a life that we know that he who we worship, that was born in Bethlehem, that was born in a manger, that walked the streets of Jerusalem, that raised the dead and uh, cleansed the leper, is still the God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So oftentimes when we speak about God uh, to people, we are often sharing uh, the God of history and the God that lived 2,000 years ago as a form of a man. But it's rare that we hear about people speaking about the God of relationship that they have every day. Oh, brothers and sisters, I encourage you that the ones that affect is the one that have a living relationship with Jesus every day. I want to encourage you, don't just seek the God of history that we read. Those things are wonderful. But God says this, that in him is life and life everlasting. That means that there is a continualness of God. There is a newness of God. God doesn't want us just to talk about him coming to the earth and uh, being born of a virgin in a manger. And he walked upon the earth for 33 years and crucified. And yes, those things are important. Those things are historic because it gives us an understanding of the gospel. And by the shedding of his blood, our sin is washed away. But today, in the year 2018 and the coming years, he want to enter into our life and say that I want to have a relationship with you. That what I did yesterday, I can do today. And what I've done today, I can do through you tomorrow. You know, uh, many of you have known that I've been married to my wife uh, 20 plus years, and it's wonderful uh, to think about uh, when we were younger and, and 20 years younger, and I have all pictures of our wedding day and, and my wife in a wedding dress, and I have a picture of me uh, standing and, and 20 years ago, but what really is neat is I can't remember all of the 20 years of everything that we've gone through, but what I'm looking for to is the life that I have with her for the next 20 years. I cannot live my life and just celebrate. Wow, wasn't our 15th anniversary wonderful? I can barely remember. But what it is, is I don't want to just talk about those things in the past because the things that are living in our life every day is what God wants in our hearts. See, seeking him who lives is every day. We don't want to just live uh, and talk about a historic God. We want to live and talk about a God that's eternal. And brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you that when people talk to you and ask you about God, you and I must have a relationship with God that helps us to live God today, the God of today and the God of tomorrow. Not only that what God has done for us yesterday, but what is God doing in our life today? What is God telling you today? What is God changing you today? Is your relationship with God the same for the last five years? Is 
the relationship uh, 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 with God and you the same, uh, the same that when you first came to Christ and the understanding of who God is in your life is still the same for the last 10 years? Or are you really in a relationship with God that is challenging you and stretching you, that you're more mature, that you're more uh, uh, knowledgeable, that you love God more, that you're, you're rooted in Him in a deeper way? I would hope that now that I've been married to my wife these many years that she could say, honey, you become a better husband. Because when you are in relationship with someone, uh, you, when we first start out, you're kind of an amateur. Right? You fret over certain things. But uh, you see older couples that's been around and they've been living uh, or people who are in relationship with God that has been very successful for a long time. You see there's a, there's a sense of peace about them. You see that they don't sweat the small stuff. You see that they talk about God like he's right next to them. They, they talk about God like he's their best friend. They talk about God like he is still living. And that's what God wants in our life every day. And here the angel says to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Oftentimes, people are seeking for religious traditions or religious things, and those things are fine, but those things are dead. But God is not re uh, searching for people to have religious rituals and traditions, but he's uh, looking for people to have a living relationship every day. And that we don't just say the same prayers. We, we don't live the same. We don't talk the same. We don't walk the same. We don't think the same. God wants us to seek him who lives. Because in God there is a renewal of day, of different things. You know, the book of Isaiah says this. It says that I will do a new thing. Won't you know it? And I said, Lord, I thought you never changed. Oh, have you ever you just asked me a scripture. I thought, Lord, you never change. His character never changes, but his method you, to yes. reaching you and I would change, but he never changed. His love and his mercy is forever. See, his grace is the same. His love for you is the same. It has nothing to do with who or what you've done. It, it has to do with his character because he is the ultimate man of integrity. He is the ultimate one that never changes, but yet his method to reach you. That's why when Mary saw him, the first thing, could you imagine that she knew Jesus physically? She walked with him for three plus years, and he's the one that, that, that cast demons out of her, and yet he, she looks at him after he has risen. And I want to give you this revelation that the first thing she can jump to is, are you a gardener? Think about that for a minute. You know why? It's because her perception of God was yesterday. Her perception is the God that she knew yesterday. Her perception was not changed when God has all, Jesus had already changed. See, our perception of God uh, sometimes messes us up. That God can't do something different is because we are always relying on our history and our relationship, what God can do. Mm -hmm. oh. 
am I explaining to you? It's because oftentimes we read in the Bible and we often say, well, if it's not there, God can't do it. But there are things that in my world travels I've seen God do that I can't say that was in the Bible, but it was God. That's right. I've seen it over and over again. Uh, I've seen things that, that, that I cannot understand. It. I, I, all I can say is, that's God because I better not touch it. I better not criticize it. It's because if that's God, then I would be talking against God. All I can say, God, if it's you, then it will be fruitful. If it's you, it will change lives. If it is you, it will always be better. Amen. Amen. There are times in our life that we are constantly looking back and God is trying to get us to look forward. Who would want to have a relationship with someone that's dead? Ask that to yourself. Who would want to have a relationship with something or someone that's dead? You know, uh, I, I saw this one thing that, you know, how people are very much in love with their, their pets, you know, their dog and this and that. And, and I remember reading an article, and, and I know that people treat their, uh, their, their pets like it's a family member. And I, I read an article one time that there was a lady that had loved her dog so much that when the, the dog had passed away that she, had, she went, took it to the taxidermy and, and had it stuffed because she didn't want... Uh, to forget and bury this pet of hers. And I thought to myself, uh, if she would have put it in the house, uh, even though it looked like her pet, even though uh, the colors and the hair and everything is her pet, but there is no relationship beyond what is in her mind. Brothers and sisters, God does not want us just to have a relationship of what we can imagine of Jesus walking in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But God wants us to have a relationship with him with a, that is living, who is real, who can speak to you and I, who can change our lives every day. Amen. You know that in my culture that we have what we call ancestry worship. And that, well, you know, our grandparents would die or our father would die. We, we take a portrait of him and, and put him on the altar and burn incense and it, make an altar for the dead ones. Um, but the, the scary thing about that is there is no relationship outside of what you have remembered. And sometimes people misremember. How about uh, relationships or family members that while they were living, they were no good, but when they were dead, nobody can think of anything bad to say, but the reality was they were no good when they were living. But when they're dead, they would say all these great things about this person. And when people would wake them up and say, why would you worship someone who was so frail, who would leave their family and disrespect their, their, uh, their, their marriage and all these things? And people would say, yeah, he was like that, huh? But why would you worship that? And God wants us to seek him who is living in our life every day. Did you know that the miracles that God does did yesterday, he can still do today? 
And what we've done is we have theologians that have said that, oh, that only happened because God was trying. They didn't have the Bible. and God was trying to plant the church. And God was trying. No, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, nowhere in the Bible can you see that it stopped miracles and the tongues and prophecy uh, and discerning of spirits when the disciples died. Nowhere in the Bible did it ever said those things stopped. But today we think that because we are so much intellectually better and that somewhere along the line that the Bible now is some archaic book and that it just records and that God doesn't do that every day. No, because if God can do it then and God can do it yesterday and when God can do it when you're younger, then God can still do it today. Amen. I told you about my friend who was a gangster who was a terrible human being. I told you that today he is a man of God that loves the Lord. Uh, when his wife got saved, uh, she, he went in and he was a gangster. And she, he saw her praying for him on the side of the bed on her knees. And he was coming in and he was intoxicated. And he would yell at his, this, his wife. He said, woman, what are you doing? He goes, I'm praying for you. And he kicks her in the face. This was the kind of man that he was. And God saved his soul. And this is the thing. When God saved his soul, he said that in his nose, he kept smelling this stench. Like rotten flesh. And so he went to the doctor, and I shared with you a couple weeks ago, they had a CAT scan. And the doctor said, because of your years of cocaine use, that your skull is actually the bones of your skull by your nasal is deteriorating and it's rotten. He said, if I were to push my finger in your forehead, your whole forehead would cave in. And so he, he said, I, the doctor told him, I, I just give you a few months, three months at the most, and you're going to die. There's just no way of fixing that. And he said that he went home to his father-in-law's house at the time and him and his wife and and he said, Dad, I'm going to go into the basement. I'm just going to pray because I'm going to ask the Lord to miraculously heal me. And so he went down to the basement. He turned to the book of Exodus and he, and he saw the scripture says, is there anything impossible for God? And he says the first day, second day, all of a sudden his father-in-law opened the door and said, son, are you okay? Are you still alive? He goes, yes, dad. And my friend hadn't eaten anything. He was just there, just fasting and praying and believing God. And, and about a week went by and his father-in-law opened son, are you still there? Are you still alive? And he says, yes, dad, I'm still alive. Another week came by and one day he came out of the basement. And instantly, in that moment, all the stench that he smelled went away. Amen. And he went to the doctor, and, then, and he told the doctor that he had prayed. And the doctor said, I don't believe you. Let me CAT scan you again. And he looked at his CAT scan, and he said, man, you, your bones in your forehead is so dense. It's more dense than any other normal person. He says, what happened? He said, I told you. That God, the God, Jehovah, Jesus healed me. He said, are you sure? He said, there is no way medicine could have done this. And my friend today is preaching the gospel. 
brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about the God of just the things that we read. And the Bible is very important. You know I'm a believer in the word. But the same God that we read about in those times is the same God that can even do greater things today. When is the last time that we are seeking out the God for our life? Or are we controlling ourselves? You know, one of the things uh, uh, about God is when you uh, let go of yourself, it is really faith. Because could you imagine a person that is in self-control and you look nice and especially uh, the women that have beautiful hair and beautiful makeup and all of a sudden you come to church and the presence of the Lord moves them and they start crying and you also let them go and in tears running down and your makeup is running except for this new makeup they have that don't run or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they start running and, 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 and people are looking around and say, what's the matter with her? And, and she's crying and her hair and now she's making Maybe God has touched her and she's sitting down or laying down and her head is in the altar and you get up and your clothes might be wrinkled. See, brothers and sisters, there's a reason why things like that happen. And when we have enough faith to let ourselves go, you know what it's telling uh, your body, your flesh and your control? It says that even my self-will is subject to Jesus. We have to live our life subject to Jesus. We have to live our life. See, our life is not our own, but it has been paid for with a price. And oftentimes we are seeking uh, things of the dead. You know why we are seeking things of the dead uh, 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 in history? is because when you are in real relationship, it takes faith. I don't know why you're so quiet today, but that's okay. Because every day, marriage and relationship with people, there's a vulnerability. Yes. Think about it for a minute. You know, my wife often says, you know, I travel all over. And people have often asked her, aren't you afraid? She said, afraid of what? She said, you know, your, your husband's traveling the world and he's going different places and meeting different people. And I can imagine as a woman, and her husband is out there across the world in different places and meeting different people. And the only thing I remember her sharing, she said, somebody asked me that. And I said, what do you respond? What do you say? She said, I have faith in God. Amen. Because if God can't keep you righteous, then who am I going to be? What am I going to do? And see, brothers and sisters, we have to have enough faith that when we give our life to him, that he is so righteous that he's going to lead us down the path of holiness. He's going to lead you down the path. He says that, uh, uh, that all things work together for the good of those that are called according to his purpose. That no matter what happens, God's going to work it out. We serve a God that is so big that even when you mess up, he's big enough to fix it up. He's, he's big enough to change it. He's big enough to make it right. He's big enough to, to, to direct the course where you will not miss what God has for your life. But that can only happen when you walk into relationship with him. And that even in the hurt and the disappointment and the pain, God is sitting there saying, you imagine this woman Mary, that all of her hopes was on this man named Jesus. Jesus the Christ, and that out of him she experienced freedom from demons and things that control her life beyond her will. That out of this man she saw miracles upon miracles. But that moment when he was crucified upon the cross, 
all of her hopes, everything in her mind was sitting there saying, how can this man allow this to happen if he was God? Maybe that's you and me. Maybe you've been there. Say, God, how can you allow this to happen in my life if you're really God? Lord, and then could you imagine Mary Madeline at the foot of the cross? She was waiting at the very, very last moment when they were hammering his hands into the cross and hammering his feet into the cross and, uh, and, and, and looking at him bleeding from the top of his head all the way down to his toes, hanging on this tree. She was at that moment. He goes, as long as he's breathing, I've got hope. And boom, when he gave up the Holy Spirit and, and the Spirit left him and he breathed his last breath, everything in her belief much crashed. Oftentimes, we come to that place in our life that everything we believe in God says, God, if you were that powerful, how can you not get yourself off the cross? Yes. And I can imagine this woman who believed in God you know what these women represent, right? They represent the church. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Husband, love your wives as Christ loves the church who gave himself for her. And that he would wash her. Oh, there it is right there. He cleansed her with the washing of the water by the word that he would present to who? To himself a glorious church. And so the first thing he appears, the first person he appears to was not the men. The first person he appears to was not the disciples. The first person he appears to was not John who was at the foot of the cross. He, was, he did not appear to Peter. He appeared to a woman. But brothers and sisters, the first experience this world will ever have to know God still is living is the church. That's right. That's right. Oh, you don't hear me. It's the church. Right. How else would people know if the church don't experience him first? And yet, in that very moment of her mourning and her weeping and everything that she believed for was shattered, she did not recognize that was Jesus until he says, Mary. Brothers and sisters, no matter what you're going through right now, sometimes we don't recognize is because all the things that we've gone through and the disappointments, because I can imagine her standing there she was so disappointed that God that raises people from the dead, walks on water, who feeds 5,000 men with two lo uh, five loaves and two fish, the one that, that told Peter to go and throw a, a catch of fish and out of its mouth, there will be a gold coin for, to pay taxes. Uh, the same God that fed 7,000 men, uh, the same God that, that, uh, that healed uh, uh, people that were le uh, leprous. Uh, the same God that would uh, heal a blind man by the name of Barnabas. The same God that would cast out demons into the pigs. And they ran and 
and, and fell off a cliff. The same God that would just spoken word would heal people and never even have to touch them. The same God that would dine with the sinner and gave mercy to the adulterer. The same God uh, that was doing things that was miraculous that nobody's ever. The same God that even when he walked into a place that a woman would touch the hem of his garment would be healed. And yet in that moment, everything about it, it is dying in her and God had died. And sometimes in the church, you go to church and you feel that way. There have been times, I can tell you, brothers and sisters, I felt that pain and say, God, how can this happen? How can this happen? And I didn't really recognize that God appeared. And until that moment, he says, Lord, Lord, this is you? Yes. This is you? Thank this you. is your doing? That's right. Thank this, you. Wait, wait, wait. This is your doing? Yes, I'm, I'm doing a new thing. Um, uh, this is this is me, and then when I begin, and and when the church begins, the woman, the woman began to tell people, did you know that Jesus lives? And the Bible says his own disciples didn't believe her. Brothers and sisters, it is not your job and my job uh, 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 for people to believe because belief is a self-will thing. It is yours and my job to obey God because Jesus says, tell my disciples. I will see them in Galilee. It is yours and my job to plant the seed that there is a true and living God. So it is my job and your job to tell people that there is a God that loves you, that died upon the cross for you, that still does miracles, that can heal you of your sickness, that can heal you of your pain. There is a God that still raises people from the dead. There is a God that is not just about the history book, but there is a God that cares for you, and he will see you in Galilee. Thank you, Father. And nobody believes. And, you know, I used to be just like that. But then I realized that it is not my choice for them to believe. It is their choice. My job is to obey Jesus and say, tell them I have risen. See, I, I used to get really disappointed, and, and we do that. I say, how come we, we share so many and nobody would come and this and that? I'm not interested in just them coming. I'm interested in them knowing the true and living God. Amen. And if all we can do is do our part. And the funny thing is, God didn't appear to a bunch of people. He appeared just, just a few women. We're a few. But if God appears, we can change the world. Let us stand.